This, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. My name is Amanda Delheimer. Today, in honor of the fresh start that is 2018, we bring you a story about crossing boundaries, of blending the past and the future, and of the relationships we have that remain constant even as they change. Recorded live at Pub 626 in Rogers Park in Chicago, Second Story presents Martinique Hallerduff. This story is my confession of an international crime. More specifically, it involves the act of foreign nationals illegally crossing a country's borders in flagrant and knowing violation of its liquor laws, also without shoes. <laughs> My wife, Mary, and two of our close friends, Kai and Kaisa, are on the front porch of a house in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan that my great-grandfather named Idle Hour when he started building it by hand in 1902. Mary's in her prized lounging caftan. I'm leaning against a porch pillar, swatting away mosquitoes and staring across the water at St. Joe's, a Canadian island. It's the 4th of July, 2013. We're on our first day drinking beers and I say to them with my eyes on Canada, do you guys realize that across the river where my grandpa and great aunt Margaret are buried, we're actually married? Everyone turns to look at Canada like it just did something. <laughs> Mary says, we should go. And Kai jumps up from where she's sitting on the porch steps like she's been waiting for just this moment. Oh my God, we have to go. Idle Hour, this wooden wonder of a lake house, is on a small island in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. The house is its own tucked away world that time keeps forgetting. For four generations, my family has left behind magazines, furniture, and letters. They saw no reason to remove the Victrola once LPs came into fashion and didn't have drinkable water coming through the faucets until I was a teenager. The spirit of this remote place seeps into your bones so thoroughly that many of my relatives are buried across the river on the grounds of a Canadian chapel so they can see Idle Hour from their graves. How they got away with international burial is beyond me. Five years ago in 2011, I first took what would become this annual trip with friends in the afterglow of Chicago's Pride Weekend. That first year, Kai and Kaisa were newly in love, I was single, and the three of us were a force. It was only painful sometimes, like nine-hour road trips in the back seat, looking at Kai's right hand, holding Kaisa's, while Kaisa's long hair blew around her face. They were both in faded jean shorts. Kai in her I'm-going-rural bandana, and looking grubby but carefully curated. Kaisa's whole outfit is a version of what she wears landscaping, where she achieves arm muscles the rest of us envy. The winter after that first road trip, Kaisa threw a Miss America party to watch her cousin compete and invited Mary, who in her perfect hipster lesbian plaid, stole all my quietly whispered Miss America jokes and repeated them louder to our shared reward. I fell quickly for her bravado, 
kindness and incredible skill at fun. And now, two years later, we're caravanning from Chicago for the 4th of July. Mary and I are recounting the Pride Parade as we drive over the Mackinac Bridge and into Michigan's Upper Peninsula. We got civil unioned two months earlier, though we say married. In 2013, a civil union was all we could get, and we took it. We had a wedding with an open bar, registered for gifts, wore expensive dresses, and changed our last names from Haller and Duff to a one-word, no hyphen, Hallerduff. Kai and Kaisa are married now, too, as of almost a year, or technically civil unioned, marriage light. In Michigan, though, we're legal strangers, meaning as people who are unrelated and unmarried in Michigan, we have no more legal ties to one another than strangers. I've followed the changes closely, partly for safety reasons and partly because I'm fascinated with how strange it is that our legal status can change from day to day and state line to state line. I'm listing off the details for Mary since this is our first trip up north post-civil union. Okay, as of this June Supreme Court decision, our civil union in Illinois counts for state but not federal taxes. Now that we're in Michigan, we're not married or civil unioned or anything. If you step on a nail and end up in the hospital with tetanus, Obama passed an act where they have to let me in, but they might not know about it. Illinois has hate crime laws to protect us, but Michigan doesn't, so maybe we should pose as sisters-in-law at the grocery store. This is so fucked! Mary says and changes the song. It's the next day. We're on the porch. I'm still looking at Canada. Mary has just said, we should go. The three of them watch me and wait. Mary sets down her empty beer on the wooden planks of the porch and reaches for the sunscreen, but still sits there just watching me. Mart. Mary says. I just stare down Canada like it's challenging me to a fight. I look back at my brand new wife, now just in her vintage-inspired high-waisted bikini, sun-bleached hair brushed off her face, ready to arm her Irish skin against the sun, and she says, babe, let's fucking go! I get up. Mary and Kaisa tow the kayaks and canoe into the water. Kai and I quickly find awful sun visors and grab a few beers to toss in our vessels. Minutes after the decision's been made, we step into the muck at the river's edge and climb in. Canada had always been right there. My entire life, it'd been right there. But I had never done this. Sure, I'd been over for my grandpops and my great-aunt Margaret's funerals as a kid, which took hours by car, but going to Canada by hand involves crossing the channel in the middle of the St. Mary's River and doing the whole thing illegally. The river is also a shipping route for eight-story high, thousand-foot-long freighters. We have to get out into the middle of the channel to see if any freighters are rounding the south point of the island, and by then we'd be somewhat fucked, so we paddle cautiously. And yet, the freighters are only half our concern. When I'm the only haller on the island, I take my responsibility seriously. 
I'm not sure what the repercussions are for illegally entering Canada, but I'm certain they're severe enough that no haller in 100 plus years has ever done it. Posted signs on the mainland encouraged people to report illegal crossers and souped up border patrol boats cruise these waters. We figure we'll just paddle around haphazardly so onlookers would have to assume we didn't know that Canada is across the river. <laughs> or at some point that Canada is where we started. We paddle out to the familiar green buoy on the American side and the channel is clear. We spend a half hour fighting the current in the middle of the channel. Then with careful aimlessness, we go beyond the Canadian side buoy. The water underneath us goes from deep black fathoms to perfectly clear, and the natural river bottom is visible. We float in our kayaks and poke our paddles down to see if it's shallow enough to stand. The sun is hot and we're barely dressed. Kai and Kaisa paddle over in the canoe and Kai tosses me an Upper Peninsula favorite, a Bell's Two-Hearted. She says, you guys, let's just have a cocktail and be married for a minute. We all open our beers and to toast each other's marriage. We drift quietly in the waters that have taken us without fanfare across an international border and from legal strangers to each other's wives. Mary paddles her kayak closer to mine and hangs on. She is so much more affectionate than me. Every relationship needs one of her. And she leans over and says, kiss me. And I give her our first legally married kiss. We're shading our eyes to survey the Canadian beach and Kaisa jumps out with purpose and looks back. We're going up there, right? For a few feet, it's perfectly sandy and then it's tall reeds and rocks. And of course, it's all private property. I'm certain trespassing is a lesser crime than a legal border crossing, but I ask anyway, we should, right? Mary says, fuck, yeah, and starts to pull her kayak ashore. We begin to work on our story in case we're caught in Canada. Some options we consider. Oh, this is Canada? No way, are you serious? Oh, sorry, are we doing something wrong, eh? <laughs> My relatives are buried here and I haven't seen them in so long. See all those graves say Haller? I don't have an ID, which makes number three moot. So I argue for the Canadian accents when Kaisa points at me. Marty, your suit? I'm standing ankle deep in the water. I look down and see my overly skimpy, four remote areas only, American flag bikini. I ask, do you think Canadians would wear this? <laughs> like for irony? Do they know it's the 4th of July? Eyes roll and Kai tosses me her tank top. And as she pulls it out, I stop her. Kai, it says Midwest is best. <laughs> Our palpable loyalty feels misplaced. We decide I can't wear the shirt or show my bathing suit. I opt to wear a towel. I have no shoes. I think this will help any interrogators believe our story. 
We reach the road and a car approaches going slow. We're walking single file at the edge of the pavement. I say, be cool. You guys, just be cool. Act Canadian. The car drives by, the driver lifts a few fingers off the wheel, and we all four raise our hands in unison. We climb the steps embedded in the hill. I haven't been here in over 20 years since my great aunt Margaret's funeral, but it's immediately familiar. We walk up to the chapel doors, I say, I'm sure they're not locked, and we go in. It smells like the hardcover hymnals tucked into the eight or so church pews. There are saint statues and holy cards, and the altar has a tiny gate around it. We handle everything with the curiosity of time travelers. There's a note asking for donations to upgrade the outhouse, and the unattended money is beside it, unlocked. I hear a faint ringing, and go outside where Kai has started tugging on the rope to the church bell. Kai, we're here illegally. We can't just Quasimodo a church bell a dozen times so everyone knows there are American trespassers here. Come on, it's not a big deal, right? Kai asks, and it's hard to blame her because we feel like the only people in the world. Come see my grandpa's grave, I say, and they follow. I pour a beer on his grave, like I saw my dad do when I was 12. We all marvel at the years 1898 to 1984. My great aunt Margaret, though, was the icon of the island. She was born in 1902, never married, and spent a lifetime of summers there where her letters and magazines are collected in drawers. The islanders still talk about her, dressed to the nines and rowing her boat up and down the coast. I look at her stone and gasp. It reads, Margaret Mary Haller, 1902 to 1991. And my wife stands beside it, beer in hand, partly shaded by a tree, calling out something to Kai. Mary, you guys, look. I stare at the stone, and in the middle of it is my wife's name, Mary Haller. In the Boundary Waters, we became married at some impossible-to-know point, and then the names we'd changed appear on gravestones. In this place, where our marriage is real and my relatives are buried, I lay down, and Mary lays with me. We are stretched out in the grass with six odd feet of dirt between my ancestors' bodies and our own, and she holds my hand. I hear everything, the, the grass blowing, the bugs down by the river's edge, the leaves rustle, a boat engine starts miles away. I sit up just for a moment and verify that yes, I can see idle hour from here. I lay back down, arching my neck enough to see her name in that stone and then settle back into the grass. The breeze blows over our exposed bodies. The sun glares off the water. Mary's hand moves in mine and we breathe.
This story was curated by Erliana McLaurin and Margaret Marion, directed by Amanda Delheimer, with sound design by Brandon Reed. Second story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a city arts grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Arts Work Fund, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Amanda Delheimer, and this this is the second, Second Story Podcast.